Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up and welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast and the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. Hope everyone is doing well out there. My name is Sam, Sam Dracula, if you want to get formal with it. And today we have a lot of stuff to get into. You know, last time we talked uh, was the Ish Smith signing. I had Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast talk about Ish Smith, his game, what, he, what value he brings to the Hornets in the short term. And I want to just plug that right off the top again. If you missed it, go check it out. He talks all about Ish Smith. And I talk about like the Hornets need at point guard with Devontae Graham's departure. In that episode, I I give my initial thoughts about the Hornets losing Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, and Cody Zeller. So that is what we covered last time in last episode. Since then, we've learned the terms of the Devontae Graham trade, sign and trade, and the Hornets officially signed Kelly Oubre Jr. on Madness. So to talk about that signing specifically, we're going to have Cyrus Satches from the Rick Berry Show right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, my colleague, my network colleague, um, the link to his show and information is in the description. So if you want to go check that out, I mean, he calls with Rick Barry. It's right in the name. So it's a great listen, great insight, even if you're not a Warriors fan. But I brought Cyrus in here um, as a guest to the podcast to talk about Ubre. You know, he watched him play last year. So I want to get his you know, raw opinion about what Ubre's game is, what his value is, and what Hornets fans should expect from him now that he's officially a Charlotte Hornets player. You know, um, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, Cyrus had nothing but great things to say about Ubre, so you want to take a listen to that. Um, you, you might want to buy an Ubre jersey after listening to Cyrus talk about Ubre. It's about a 30-minute conversation. It's very, it's very exciting stuff, so stay tuned for that. So before we dive into Caleb Martin being waived, the Borrego contract extension, and the details around the Devontae Graham trade, I want to say thank you to Bet Online for sponsoring the podcast, whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so first up, let's talk about departures, all right? The Kelly Oubre conversation will be on the back half of this episode, so I want to get into Caleb Martin first because as I'm recording this, that's the newest departure. Like, we, we've known that Monk, Devontae, and, uh, and Cody Zeller were, were gone for a week or so now. So Caleb Martin, you know, he's a guy. Went undrafted a couple a few years ago. Um, obviously, his brother plays on the team, uh, Cody. Um, for Caleb, it, I know he's got a lot of criticism over the years, and I, I listen. I get it. I, I've been frustrated at times about how like the position he was kind of put in, which I think was unfair to him at times because he 
um, I think is a capable NBA player, um, just kind of got overextended. You know, he was, he's put in positions at times to like run the half-court offense or try to ISO. It was like, all right, this isn't your best attribute, Caleb. Like, I need him to play defense, run the floor, and hit an open three. And I think, you know, as that type of player, I think that's where he can, you know, make his, make his uh, carve out his place in the league as that type of guy um, as he continues to develop. Because he's, he's like, he's 25 years old as of right now. And I think that's where that's what his short term future kind of lies. I think he I think he'll find a landing spot somewhere in the league at some point, if not immediately. Um, but best wishes to Caleb Martin. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the game. You know, uh, guys have to go. There's only so many roster spots. And the Hornets brought in Kelly Oubre Jr., a guy that plays the same position as Caleb Martin. And it goes back to what Mitch Kupchak was saying um, at the end of last season and recently that the Hornets need to add talent and, and depth. And that's where things went wrong last year when everyone got hurt, when Monk, Hayward, and LaMelo all got hurt at the same time. It really exposed the lack of talent and depth the Hornets had at that moment. And so Kelly Oubre coming in directly addresses that but there's only roster. There's only so many roster spots. So Caleb Martin is a casualty of that, unfortunately, but he, he'll be missed. I'll miss, I got, I enjoyed watching him play. I can't lie. And Eric Collins calling his game was a lot of fun, especially when both twins were out there, when Cody and, and Caleb were out there. I'm gonna miss Eric Collins saying the Hornets are fully Martinized. Those days are gone now. It's, it, it's an end of an era, you know? Also, also kind of in that same position, I got to address the Devontae Graham details because in that deal, um, the Hornets, it turned out to be a three-team trade, which is kind of mad, escalated quickly. In that three-team trade, the Hornets acquired a small forward, a guy by the name of Wes Wundu from uh, the Pelicans. Uh, So that's another guy that plays the same position as Caleb Martin that the Hornets need to maybe clear up roster space for. So I don't know if more cuts are coming. I believe Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels are also on non-guaranteed deals. So more cuts could be on the way. Maybe. I don't know. But Wes Wundu is a Charlotte Hornets player as well. He's a guy who is not going to start. You know, um, he's an athletic wing. His, 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 his stats aren't the most impressive thing in the world. 4.3 points. 2.4 rebounds in around 17 minutes per game. But he's 25, 26, somewhere in there. And he's played 223 games in the league. So he's a young-ish player. And he's played a lot of NBA games. So I look at that as a, a, a guy we can trust as Hornets fans that could come in, in a, as a bench player in a rotation and not, you know, and just be ready to go. Like, a, 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 not a win now, basically, but like a guy who can contribute as a veteran off the bench. I don't think he's going to fully, like, run the second unit or anything like that. But when you're looking at filling out the 9, 10, 11th, like, area of the rotation, you need guys who have been there before, who know their, their place in the league, and are 
solid role players. And I think Owundu can be that um, offensively and defensively. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Owundu has to offer um, now that he's a Hornets player. So Owundu is coming in. The Hornets got a protected 2022 first round draft pick in the Devontae deal. That pick, by the way, um, is a lottery protected pick. So if the Pelicans are in the lottery next year, a.k.a. they don't make the playoffs, they keep their pick and the pick becomes two second round picks. It becomes a 2022 second round pick and it becomes a 2024 second round pick, which it will probably be the case if we're honest. The Pelicans have talent, but I don't think that team is very good. They have a new coach. The Zion, there's questions about that. I don't know what his deal is, if he's going to force a trade at some point and, and tank the season, but I don't know. I don't know what happens with the Pelicans, but I don't think they make the playoffs. I think the West is too crazy and too good. And that the Hornets will end up with two second round picks for Devontae Graham, which on paper doesn't seem good enough. But a one do plus the picks plus the cash plus Tyler Harvey also included a, a lottery ticket basically on him, who I'll talk about in a second. That's I think that's a pretty decent haul for Devontae Graham. So all in all, not too bad. So Tyler Harvey was a second-round pick back in 2015. He hasn't played in the league yet. Um, he's actually playing in Australia for LaMelo's old team currently, funnily enough. But, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a shooter. That's his best attribute. He's, a, he's an older player. Uh, like I mentioned, he was drafted in 2015. But, um, you know, if he makes it, makes it over to the league, to the NBA, to the States at some point, he'll be a Hornet. And a guard that can shoot is not a bad thing. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because I don't know if he's going to come through to the States at any point. But if he does, I'll, you know, I'll talk more about it. But he's included in the deal as a potential um, future Hornet. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with that. All right. So we have the Ubre news to talk about. Before that, our guy, James Borrego, officially will be the Hornets coach, unless something terrible happens. You know, if the Hornets, like the season goes in the toilet, this will be all null and void. But the Hornets have extended James Borrego. So his contract was set to end at the end of this season. Going into the year and having a lame duck coach is so problematic. I'm very happy the Hornets addressed this <laughs> because it's not good for the players. That level of uncertainty is not good for James Borrego and the coaching staff, that level of uncertainty. And it just now just allows everyone to focus on basketball and not what happens next. It, it frees them up. And also make sure that Borrego doesn't start like negotiating with other teams and bounces and the Hornets are left high and dry. You know, for anyone out there who's not a fan of Borrego, you know, to each his own, but I think he's a fantastic head coach. And when you look at the development of Devontae Graham, who just left, um, Malik Monk, since uh, Borrego's been in charge, even uh, LaMelo last year, the, the Martin Twins, Jalen McDaniels, uh, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, all these guys got better with, the, like with Borrego as a head coach. I put that on the players, and I put that on Borrego. I think they deserve equal credit in those situations. I like the direction the team is heading. The team overachieved last year, um, and it took injuries for that team to, to fall out of that excellent position they were in. But 
adding more talent, developing more talent, because the Hornets added four rookies this year, right? And two first round picks and two second round picks. So that they're not abandoning the youth development side of things. And Borrego's shown he has a resume that shows that, yo, he can handle it. And he, he's good with, he's good at this and cultivating and developing young talent. So it just makes sense. And then just for the current younger players, they know that they're not gonna have to learn a whole new coaching system, new personalities, new like traits. They can come in and, and know what to expect when they go to work, there's no mystery. There's no like walking on eggshells. It just, that level of security is key. And it's, it's, it's exciting to know that we can look forward to maybe PJ Washington taking the same leap that Miles Bridges did in the same point of Miles's career because we know James Borrego still the head coach. So there's a lot to, for me at least, you know, my opinion, there's a lot for me to be excited about with this Hornets team and James Borrego's contract extension as another win in the win column, another check in the win column for this Hornets offseason. I think they've done everything excellently well. I don't even know, I don't even think that's good English, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. You listen to this. You know what I mean. <laughs> um, outside of losing Malik Monk for nothing. That's a bummer. But bigger picture, it needed to happen to free up cap space to make all these other moves happen. So realistically, it's hard to truly complain about it outside of him going to the Lakers. And he's probably going to be very, very good for them. Okay. So congratulations to James Borrego. I'm so glad he's sticking around um, officially now beyond this year. Hopefully other teams don't come, come knocking because he's ours now. Stay away. Stay away from our coach. He's ours. <laughs> All right. So last kind of news item to get into. Actually, not true. Ish Smith, he's officially signed. So like I mentioned at the top, I did a podcast with Matt Moderno. He talks all about Ish Smith and what he brings to the Hornets. And also the Hornets signed DJ Carton uh, to kind of round out the, the G League and Summer League kind of roster. All right, now it's the main event, okay? Kelly Oubre Jr. officially signed. He's an official Charlotte Hornets player. Signed a two-year deal, $25 million over the course of those two years. I'm not sure how it's broken up, but I know according to Rod Boone, there's no team or player options in the contract. In the second year, that second year, that contract is partially guaranteed. So we'll see what happens with that long-term, but I know in the short term, it's gonna be very exciting because Ubre is exactly what they need. He's a perfect backup to Gordon Hayward. We don't know what's going to happen next year. So having a security plan, a backup plan in every position on the floor is key. And Ubre is versatile. So you can play in multiple positions when guys need rest, when guys are hurt, if there's suspensions, what have you. There's 82 games this season. So we need as many bodies as possible. And Ubre is more than just a body. He's a very good established NBA player who's only 25 years old, who could still get better. And it's a it's a big win for the Hornets. It was a very interesting thing because the Hornets were one of like two teams with cap space as the week as free agency week rolled on, and they put themselves in a position of leverage to get Ubre on a bargain. So I'm gonna just toss it over to my my conversation with Cyrus Satches, co-host of the Rick Barry Show, the Warriors podcast on the network. Link into everything's in the description of uh, the episode you're listening to. Uh, but yeah, man, we get into everything with with Ubre. So. Let's toss it over to Cyrus. Hey, Cyrus, how you doing? I'm good, Sam. How are you? Not too bad. It's been a busy day here. Uh, it's, I'm record, we're recording on 
Saturday, August 7th. And there's been Hornet story after Hornet story all today. It's been insane. I've recorded two videos already. This is number three. So if I say anything crazy, please forgive me. It's okay. It's all right. And by the way, I'm fighting a cold. So if, if I make any gross noises, I apologize. I actually had to get tested. I'm, I'm not, I don't have COVID. Okay. So it's just, an, and I had two tests, a rapid test because those, those aren't very accurate. And then I went to a doctor's office. They sent in one to a lab. Oh, I man. really thought I had it. I'm vaccinated, but um, you know, there are a lot of breakthrough cases, but it's just a cold. It's just a nasty cold. So here I am, but oh. it's great to be with you, man. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate you showing up. Yeah. Plain, plain sick. I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. So uh, we're linking up because um, you have a Warriors-based podcast. I have a Hornets-based podcast, and our paths kind of crossed with Kelly Oubre here. Yeah. So um, first off, what should Hornets fans expect from Kelly Oubre? Well, here's what I'll tell Hornets fans. And by the way, I, I, I'm looking forward during the regular season, especially when we have our two meetings to, to link up again, I hope, if you're okay with that. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but so Hornets fans, here's what I'll tell you, man. I'm a diehard Warriors fan. I've loved the team since the 80s. Um, my earliest memories of like Sleepy Floyd setting to this day the playoff records for most points in a quarter and half against the Lakers back in 87, I believe. Um, so I was adamant that the Warriors should not give him up. And Kelly Oubre Jr. was even saying during interviews this offseason that he's still a Warrior. He, he gave every indication, him and his agent, that he wanted to stay. I did not want to lose him. A lot of Warriors fans thought question is fit. I was not ready to judge him based on two thirds of a season, especially with Clay Thompson being out. And he, again, look in, in a limited time with the Warriors, he still put up 15 points a game, which is good. I mean, it's not all-star level, but that's solid. He's a great defender. Steve Kerr and Draymond Green repeatedly uh, said publicly how, how stout and solid of a defender he is. Um, so you're going to get offense from him and you're going to get defense from him. And if he accepts the role coming off the bench, he said he wasn't going to accept that role here. But clearly he's go he has to because that's that's what's expected um, with your club, uh, given Gordon Hayward's going to come back. Yep. And I'm guessing Terry Rozier is going to be your starting shooting guard. So yeah, yeah. Um, so if, if he's if he's cool with that and, and look, he signed the deal. Uh, congratulations. You've got an amazing bench player. Uh, who, in my opinion, is a sixth man of the year candidate, like immediately. Um, he gives you length. Uh, he, he's, his work ethic is sound. Um, the only negatives with the team was that he didn't fit in uh, on a personality level with his teammates. He was relatively isolated in the locker room. It wasn't like a Kevin Durant situation where he just completely just turned everyone off. Yeah. Um, like Steph, Clay, Draymond, they wanted him to come back. But at the same time, they weren't like, close friends you know like they weren't they weren't really hanging out um outside of practices and, and games but you know they also never complained and look if you're the hornets in my opinion congratulations i'm, I'm still bitter that you guys got them hey listen I, i'll take that i'll take that i appreciate that <laughs> it, it, i'm glad you're saying that and not the opposite of that like oh man i'm so <laughs> glad we got rid of him and he's always over on the other side of the country <laughs> we don't have to worry about him anymore because yeah. you know the hornets were on a nice run last season until everybody got hurt they're flirting with the four seed and then when yeah. Hayward went down they didn't have that guy to turn to we have a guy here a second round pick Jalen McDaniels a young player some upside in him but he's not you know a complete player yet so and that's a really big drop off from Hayward to him so Ubre coming in as that like Hayward facsimile if it comes down to it sounds really good it has me very excited especially obviously playing with Pamelo Ball right and, and, and that's an interesting uh, thing, too. So I just recorded on my podcast um, 
on the Rick Barry show, uh, we had Kristen Peak on. She's a she's a draft expert, um, and she, and and she's brilliant. By the way, I'd highly recommend bringing her on your show sometime if you okay. want to talk about like, rookies and prospects and stuff. And and uh, she, a year ago, she was strongly recommending the Warriors should have drafted Lamelo. And in oh, hindsight, I think a lot of people, right. and I think in hindsight, a lot of people uh, here in Dub Nation are saying the same thing. I mean, like we're. We're very optimistic about James Wiseman, but clearly LaMelo Ball, I mean, he won Rookie of the Year. He's a playmaker. You know, he, he was the right pick. I mean, you guys scored. So um, I don't know how you lost Monk. That's a, that's a whole other topic. I mean, I'm, I, I, it affects me as, as a, a representative of the Warriors on a podcast level just because he went to the Lakers, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that really pisses me off. Um, but, uh, you know, but with that said, look, you guys got LaMelo. Now you got Oubre. You guys have a great young core. You're building on something. Michael Jordan is finally doing it right as a as a leader on a on a personnel management level. Oh, no doubt. And just today, um, it's Saturday as a recording. They announced that the head coach is getting an extension. So like the, yes. the pieces are in place to have that continuity with this young core around that they can kind of build together. And so for Ubre, he's like 25 years old, 26 he like is. that. He signed 25 a two, still, yeah. Signed a two-year deal, $25 million over the course of those two years. So he he can enter this young core and grow with these players as well. So I think it's an immediate short-term win for the Hornets and a potential long-term win for the Hornets. Yeah. And I always, and when I look at rosters, like I never really see starting lineups as, as a matter of importance so much as yeah. who the closing lineup is. Mm-hmm. Like who are you closing out games with? And I'm guessing Uber is going to be on the floor at the end of games. Like I could see him and, and maybe Gordon Hayward, going with a small ball rotation where Gordon maybe slides to the four or Ubre slides to the two. Um, you, you guys, yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of potential with the Hornets. You guys are a playoff-bound team as far as I can tell. And again, I'm pissed. Like, part of why I'm angry, and, you know, this doesn't affect the, the Hornets that much, is that the Warriors lost Ubre for nothing. Like, the yeah. Warriors are in such salary cap hell because of the contracts to Steph, to Clay, to Draymond. Um, you know, and, and so, and Andrew Wiggins, I mean, those are four pretty much max or near max deals. They can't sign anyone else. So they got Kelly Oubre Jr. through a trade exception three years ago, or exemption, I'm sorry, that they got, uh, trading Andre Iguodala to the Memphis Grizzlies. And so they used that exemption for Kelly Oubre. They traded that to the, to the OKC to acquire him. And they don't have the luxury of replacing a Kelly Oubre Jr. type player with someone of equal value because of the salary cap situation. So by losing him, like you just lost them for nothing in return. And I'm just so bitter about that. Yeah. And on top of that, the Hornets, and I don't know, and maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not. So your owner, Michael Jordan, who I consider the GOAT, and I don't know how you feel about same, that. Like, the, yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you. Because there's, like there's the moment no someone tells me that he is not, I'm just immediately questioning their their entire knowledge of basketball. But so, so Jordan and Joe Lacob, the owner or co-owner of the Warriors, like they don't have a great relationship. I think it started back in 2016 when the Warriors made the run for 73 wins mm-hmm. and, and broke Jordan's regular season record. And Lacob was kind of, you know, being arrogant about it a little bit. I don't think Jordan liked that and they don't have the greatest of relationships. So there was never going to be a sign and trade anyways between the teams. Never mind the fact that he signed a two-year deal and he need a minimum of a three-year deal to for the sign and trade to be legal, right? By yeah. NBA rule standards. Um, so, I mean, yeah, so you guys, I, to me, you got a great deal because he was, Kelly Oubre Jr. wanted 20 million a year. That was his yeah. original uh, asking price. And so for you to get him at 12.5 and two years, 
it's a great deal. It's a great addition. Congratulations to the Hornets. And um, I'm bummed. So, <laughs> well, so for him, because like for a while, like there are a few names that were just kind of floating out there. You have that initial period where the moratorium ends and people can go nuts, right? And yeah. the money starts shrinking up. So the Hornets were kind of like laying back and it looked like it was going to be marketing or Ubre as that like wing that could bolster the, the rotation. Um, I'm very happy. I like marketing. I like his shooting ability. Um, Ubre, that's not his bag, but the Hornets need perimeter defense um, yes. in a big way. So I look at, I also I read an article about Ubre as well, about how he wasn't really shooting the ball very well. And then you realize that corner three was, uh, was his, was his shot. And he kind of, tailored his game as a spot up corner three guy and as a cutter. Um, yeah. I, I hope like that, like kind of sense of like that self-awareness kind of carries over here in Charlotte. I assume. I hope so. LaMelo will find guys. him no matter where he is on the floor. But yeah, what do you, what do you think about his play style and the difference between maybe him or marketing um, as a so, senior opinion on these guys? I don't know marketing that well. I can't talk like an expert on him. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen him play, obviously, but I, I just not enough to really give you an expert opinion. But here's what I'll say about Kelly Ray Jr. as a player. And I because I observe every Warriors game about as astutely as possible. And, I, and again, I've been observing this team and covering this team for over 20 years now. Was, I know I'm revealing my age saying so. But uh, here's the deal with Kelly Ray Jr. last year. He showed us that. His downfall and the reason why he's probably never going to be an all-star player is because he lacks offensive consistency. Um, he's not a guy that night in, night out is going to give you solid offensive production. He will have cold nights. Um, those will happen, at least from the outside. What he can do, though, is his post-up game is surprisingly strong. Like, I really liked his post-up game. He's a very strong player. I mean, he is 6'8", so he looks lean, but he's tall and he's a lot stronger than he looks. So when he posts up, he, he was very efficient offensively, um, and they were feeding him the ball in the post a lot. He, as a penetrator, he's insanely effective. Um, he's very skilled at getting the ball in the basket when he's, when he's in close range. Not necessarily as a shooter so much, but layups, you know, drives, like dunks. Like he's, so, he's very athletic. So he knows how to work his way close to the rim. As a scorer, he's great, especially when he's near the rim. Um, his three-point shooting percentage-wise is good enough where you let him shoot, right? It's like just, I think 33% is that mark, right? Where if you're below that, you, tell, you don't want your player really shooting it. If it's above 33%, you're okay with it. And he was hovering near there for a while. He started the season off horribly. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, he's, he's kind of adjusted his game a little bit. Um, so he, he, he what, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. When Kelly Oubre Jr. is having a hot night, your team is almost certainly going to win. Okay. Um, when he's having a cold night, if he's okay accepting that role where you want him to play that D that he can play and just simply focus on easy baskets, um, you're going to do fine. Um, but he's just not consistent enough to be an all-star type player. But again, I don't think you're, you're needing that or expecting that. Um, and again, I still think he's just a, a great fit for you guys. And I'm insanely bummed. I mean, a lot of Warriors fans, for some reason, just didn't think he was a great fit. Yeah. And they criticized him a lot. Um, again, for me, the sample size was too small. It was two thirds of the season. I wanted at least one more year to see how he would play, especially with Clay Thompson and a deeper uh, bench and coming off the bench. I think that's a better role for him personally, because um, he still he likes to be a leader. And if he's coming off the bench, at least he's leading that squad that he's coming out with uh, when he's not playing with the starters. And he takes that role seriously. Um, but, yeah, like, like that, that's a solid play. Like, I would not 
I would not trust his three-point shooting in clutch situations. Um, he can shoot the three, though, good enough where, you know, you let him throw three to five up a game if, he, if he's feeling it. Uh, but as a low-post scorer, he is vastly underrated. Um, and as a penetrator, he's so strong. I mean, when you look at his highlights, you see him overpowering guys trying to defend him to get very easy baskets. Like, I really believe if Oubre was playing in that playing game last year against the Lakers, the Warriors would have won that game. Um, they really needed him in that game because for his size, especially against like a LeBron type and those guys. Um, but yeah, congratulations, man. You took our guy and, and I'm bummed and you're happy. Hey, I'm a, you got me hyped. I think I'm going to go get an Obrey jersey. <laughs> I'm, as soon as they announce his number, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one. Oh, man. So um, I know, you know, this is a, a Hornet centric thing, but I'm curious how you yeah. feel about your rookies, uh, Kaminga and Moses Moody. Because those guys, I, I looked at Moses Moody as a guy that could be a potential Hornet, given where the Hornets were drafting at 11. Very happy with Book Knight, don't get me wrong, but Moody was, was going to be a, a guy I would be very happy with as well. And Kaminga yeah. was sliding for a little bit. Till, so on draft, and I was like, yo, wait, can we get Kaminga? Is that even, is that even possible? So I, I just record, we just recorded a new episode of the Rick Barry Show yesterday and just do a shameless plug here real yeah, quick. Please, please. Uh, just search for any, you know, whatever, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, just put in either Warriors 24 or Rick Barry and our show will show up. Um, so we had Kristen Peak on yesterday, who I think I mentioned, I don't know if we talked about her when, the, when you started recording, but yeah. she's a brilliant, I mean, she is smart, man, when it comes to uh, analyzing prospects. Uh, coming out of high school, college, and then obviously the rookie level when they start in the NBA, she's so familiar with them because she's following all these players from when they're like sophomores in high school on. Okay. Um, she's known Kaminga for like five years, which is really crazy. So a lot of the early draft prospects and, and, and mock drafts and stuff, they had Kaminga going in the top five. That's he originally was considered to be like a really high-end talent. And, and Kristen said he fell to seven because his brother, I guess, was like representing him at all these meetings and workouts. And it just didn't exude a professional um, atmosphere or approach. And so he slid to seven. And Rick was not happy about that because Kaminga's three-point shooting numbers and his shooting numbers in general are not great. Um, Kristen responded by saying he only the sample size was only 13 games. She raved about him. She thinks like the Warriors scored an, a gem with Kaminga. Like in her eyes... He's going to be not just a star, but a superstar in this league. And, and we only have one summer league game so far to, to see, mm. but he looked amazing. I don't know if you watched that or not. And then, and then Moses Moody was a guy that wasn't expected to last past pick seven. Like he was expected to be picked up in seven or eight, and he fell to 14 somehow. Le legitimate three point shooter. So I was, I'm like, I was sort of excited before we did that podcast yesterday with Kristen. And again, I recommend getting her on because she's brilliant. Yeah, please, um, yeah. And, and after that interview, I feel great about it. Now, Book Knight, uh, is that his last name right? Did yes. I pronounce that yeah, correctly? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, he was projected possibly to go to the Warriors. Yes. Um, I'm surprised a little bit he fell to number 11. Uh, my understanding of Book Knight is he has the potential to be a superstar, but you, you just have to wait a little bit. He needs to develop his game. He's a little raw, um, but the talent is there. So I, I, in my opinion, a lot of teams – in what is one of the deepest drafts I've ever seen in my life, because I'm usually not that interested in the draft. Like usually it kind of bores me because once you get past the top tier players, yeah. it's just, it's just a gamble, right? You're just rolling the dice. But this year you had like 20 something players that could be very legitimate players. Yeah. I think you guys were winners. Um, I think the warriors were, some people call them losers only because their two picks were so young. Mm -hmm. um, I was personally rooting for Davion Mitchell, uh, who I think is going to be another amazing player. Um, 
And uh, but yeah, so so from what she said and from the brief uh, summer league games we've seen so far, um, it's looking like the Warriors are going to be very stoked. I just don't know if they're going to be good enough to put the Warriors to a championship level this year. And that's really what we're looking. We're in a, and the Warriors. I hate, I hate saying we. I'm not a member of the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, the Warriors are like so the Warriors are in a win now mode though, and I don't know if two rookies can make a difference. Now, granted, Rick Barry, my co-host, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest ever played the game. This was a while ago, though. But in 1975, when he led the Warriors to the championship, um, they had two rookies on that team, too. And they made a huge difference. So he's, he sees some similarities there. Um, I still think the Warriors, I'm hoping they use their mid-level exception on Paul Millsap. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the, the secret dream is is that the, the, the Cavaliers buy out Kevin Love. That's who I really mm. want. On the yeah. Warriors, I don't know if the Hornets would be interested in a player like that as well, but that's what that's who I'm personally really hoping for. And then you're hearing all the speculation about Ben Simmons um, wanting to go to the Warriors. Um, I'm thinking like my little theory is that the, by signing the two rookies, Kaminga and Moody, in 27 days, you can trade them and their salaries now count yeah. for a trade as opposed to a draft pick, which counts for zero in matching salaries. Um, so you could trade those two guys and maybe one other person and not give up any veterans or more important players to get a guy like Simmons. I just don't know if you want to do that. Um, I would actually love to know your take. I mean, he's in the Eastern conference. You've seen Ben Simmons play a lot more than me. Like, do you think the Warriors should go after him? You know, like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't just because (laughs) I, it's you tell me a guy was unplayable in the fourth quarter of a game seven. That's (laughs) The whole point is to win titles, right? And he can't play. He can't be on the floor in the most important uh, period of the most important game of your season. That's a tough one. And for the Sixers, I don't know what kind of value that a guy like that has. Like, I, if I'm him, if I'm Daryl Moore, I'm like, I'm holding and hoping that he can show that he's not afraid to shoot the ball. Uh, because yeah. I, I wouldn't give up anything for him, really. Like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Plus, with the contract he's on, that's really tough. Like, really, really tough. That's a really tough one to pull off. Yeah, it is. I mean, honestly, like to me, I, if you're the Warriors, I would try to. First of all, I'm not a big Daryl Morey guy. Like, yeah. I, I the nickname Dork Elvis to yeah. me does stick with him. Um, he's he's someone who thinks he's smarter than everyone else. Like, he yeah. should have traded Ben Simmons a year ago when he had value. Yep. Like everyone now sees Ben Simmons for who he is: great ball handler, great defender, but he just can't shoot. And so, for me, like the Warriors, I think he'd be great as a center. As weird as that sounds, yeah, um, no, I agree. I think it could work there, like, but for uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give up Draymond though. I don't oh no, no, no! I just meant like small ball five. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, I think that I think that could work. And it's so weird too. Like the Hornets and Warriors have a weird connection in the sense that Steph Curry is a Charlotte uh, born and raised kid, and and everyone always says like if he ever does play for another team to end his career, would be you guys. And so um, his extension, you're like put a bullet in that for this for well it could be always like a like a one year like when he's 38 39 okay yeah like, like, like you, Tony never, Parker. you never know yeah someone you like never a Tony know, Parker type deal <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and and uh and then also yeah you're right yeah Parker played a year with you guys and then I don't know if he's still with the organization but Rod Higgins was your GM for a long time um he's Jordan's uh longtime friend and Rod Higgins was a Golden State Warrior during their glory days of the late 80s when they had like before run TMC but when like Chris Mullen was still there and George Carl mm-hmm. was their head coach um, is Higgins still a part of the, the organization? I'm not Did sure. I'm not sure. Okay. But I was going to say, it was even like, even Muggsy w- was there yes. 
for the choking incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah. like the the Warriors and and Hornets have, have been crossing paths for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I'm just so happy you guys are called the Hornets again. That Bobcat yes. nickname. It's bad. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, but hey, listen, I, I appreciate you hopping on. Um, yeah. Is there uh, anything else you want to get into before we uh, we say goodbye here? No, not really, man. Just, uh, you know, if, if, if you guys love the war, if any of you listeners out there love the Warriors again, just uh, uh, follow. Uh, if you just go to uh, on Twitter at Warriors 24 pod, that's the link to subscribe to us. We have two shows on there, the Rick Barry show um, and then Warriors 24 seven. That's like something I do. That's just quick hits, you know, just a few times a week to update fans on what the Warriors are doing, providing some commentary. I will say this, man, this was and Rick and I again did our show yesterday and, and we did a little open before Chris and Pete came on. This was the for the the Kelly Oubre, between the Kelly Oubre decision to basically we don't know still what really happened right I'm curious if like like did they even make him an offer like yeah. we don't know right um, but between losing Kelly Oubre Jr. for nothing and keep in mind last year the Warriors paid I believe eighty million dollars in luxury tax fees to add Kelly Oubre Jr. Yeah. for nothing they for nothing. spent eighty million eighty million dollars for nothing <laughs> that's a, that's and, a few uh, money like that's a lot that, of money that is that is that is that's why that's why I have no sympathy for most NBA owners it's like they all they have so much fu money that when fans are like well they could save fifteen it's like why what do you care what they save it's like they have fu money yep. uh, you know so they lost Oubre for nothing they traded Eric Pascal who I really liked to the Utah Jazz for nothing. Um, so unless there's a bigger plan here, this is the first time in the Joe Lacob regime, the Bob Myers regime, where like we're questioning them. Like they're making decisions that are just not nonsensical. Um, and it is kind of weird because I feel like for the first time in a long time, the Hornets are making decisions that are, are sensical. Yeah. You guys are actually putting together a good roster, man. It's a uh, why did you lose Monk? Was it a money thing? Was it him just wanting to play with LeBron? Like what, what was what happened there? I think it's I think it had to like kind of backtrack on everything and when they made the decision not to offer him that qualifying offer and making him unrestricted free agent, I was like, okay, is this like, was this book night? Like, was him, did they not think he'd be there at 11? And did that change everything? Like, I'm really curious if, but they didn't draft book night 11th, would they have at least sent an offer to, um, uh, to monk just to make it more difficult for somebody to sign him? Make him just, a restricted free. He would have yeah. been a restricted free agent. To yeah, why did you guys do that? I so don't you, understand. So you it. did the same thing. You let him go for nothing. Yeah, basically, like I, the Warriors did. And I assume it's just they didn't want to deal with the cap and just like, listen, we'll just take the L here, have and know we have the cap space to make a move on a guy like a, a, a high rotation guy like Ubre or Markinen or whomever. Like they 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 traded for Plumley Mason Plumley who probably will start. I don't know. But he's a he's a really good like veteran NBA center yeah. to replace Cody Zeller. So it's like, all right, how's this cap going off? They shipped Devonte out of town out of nowhere. Didn't expect that at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, you went to a New Orleans, right? Yeah, and they got a, a protected first round pick for him, which isn't too bad. Plus some other pieces. Yeah. And so like you kind of see like in like retrospect that it just seemed like they just had other plans. They think I think they like the upside of Book Night over what Monk can deliver now, which is a bummer because Monk has gotten so much better in the three-point department yeah and he's he's always had crazy athleticism a cr like a killer mentality and then now now when he's gone he put it all together as a knockdown 40 percent shooter at a decent volume like the lakers are cheating somehow i don't know how they're pulling this off and oh, he's man, perfect I, I he's a perfect guy for that team 
Yes. I, ever since 2016, I, I, I learned that the NBA bends over for LeBron. Yeah. And so um, if LeBron wants something done, they look the other way. Uh, yeah, so it seems like both their teams kind of just lost a great player for nothing, um, which is really bizarre. My biggest peeve or one of my biggest peeves in sports is cheap ownership, like owners yeah. who like to me, if you're if you're if you're not in it to win it, meaning like if you're not in this to spend all the money necessary to put together the best team, you should not be owning a team exactly. like you just should not be an, a professional sports owner. Um so if that's the case for both our owners, man, I'm bummed. Like I, I, I'm disappointed in them. Like, well, so you know, with MJ, you, like MJ turned the corner as an owner. I think anyone who's still like clowning him as an owner isn't paying attention to what's going on because he's hiring. Like Mitch Kupchak is the GM here, and yeah. he's, he's bodying things since he's he joined up here. Um, the last like three seasons have been stellar. Like even losing Monk for nothing, still the the entire picture. Is this roster on paper is better yes. than it was last year. So it's hard to really argue with outside the emotional right. connection and just the disdain <laughs> for the Lakers. Um, yeah. But uh, the issue is like, all right, MJ, your role as the owner, it's not, it's not only have the best people in charge in your front office, but because you got to pay these players because the Hornets have been drafting very well and yeah. the bill is going to come due. You know, the bill came due on Devontae. <laughs> they're like, hey, New Orleans, you pay him. The bill came due on Malik Monk. They're like, oh, you leave for free. So, like, when Miles Bridges, his deal is up next year, like his rookie deal, okay. PJ Washington the year after, and then the big one, LaMelo, was like, all right, what are we saying here? We're going to pay to keep these guys here, or we're just going to be a, a team that drafts really well, develops players really well, but can't keep them in town. So, like, that is the real, like, feet to the fire moment with MJ as the owner of, this, of the Hornets because you got to keep these guys here. You got yeah, to. you do. You do, man. I know you're not in a big market, but all Jordan has to do is release a special edition of one of his shoes, yeah. and that's one of your players. You know, oh, like easy. Just, <laughs> so I, I, I don't get that. Like, I, I, I don't know why he did. But I mean, I mean, I would still personally like I would love having MJ as my owner, oh, even same. if like, yeah, yeah I, I love mean, it. I love it. Something, yeah. There's something about that, and and it's just really disappointing to me that there's only one black owner in the entire NBA. That's yeah. just it's such a shame, you know. Um, but at least there's one and hopefully there'll be more in the near future. I think, I don't know if you count a rod as an owner. I think he's going to be one of the owners of the, uh, the Timberwolves. Um, so yeah, so I see what you're saying. At least the bright side in your case, and I'm still waiting for the bright side of mine with the warriors is you did replace monk with Ubre jr. So at least you got someone else, right? Exactly. Uh, I, I, our, someone else is two draft picks. And and if you're trying to win a championship and Steph Curry and these guys are not getting younger, um, you got You need veterans, man. So um, Andre Iguodala, look, it's a nostalgic edition, but he's 38. What yeah. is he gonna, really going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, so unless there's another plan there on the Warriors side, I don't know what they're doing. But uh, Hornets fans, congrats, man. Ubre, I like him. And for the ladies out there, they love him yeah. especially. Uh, uh, <laughs> listen, um, the, the fellas too, I think, too. Because I'll tell you, I was in um, when, you know, they had the first half of the season with uh with no no fans in the building and then i went when they first allowed fans back in and if whenever Lamelo grabbed the ball it was like the beatles were performing oh. on, like men women and children were losing their minds over Lamelo ball and so i assume kelly Oubre, i assume a very oh. similar reaction will be going it's on it's crazy uh, but yeah the team got a little, little better looking as well so that's uh <laughs> It's not too bad. Maybe we can get some more nationally televised games as a result. Who knows? <laughs> well, you, may, you guys will probably make some more money from just jersey sales, right? Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Sam, it was great talking to you, man. I hope we do connect again soon, especially in the regular season when our teams link up. Yeah, most definitely. I, I appreciate you hopping on. It's yeah, been great. it was fun. It was yes, fun, man. man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. I really appreciate it. We got the Summer League kicking off or tipping off this week. Uh, so Sunday, Sunday night's the first one, LiAngelo Ball's debut. So next week, we'll talk all about those games and uh, hopefully some more Hornets roster stuff as we get closer and closer to the NBA season. Thank you so much. Take care. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Perfect. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube